All right, everybody, welcome back to, I believe this is episode six of the Rivalry Podcast. You have Cody and Ryan here. Um, it actually has not been that long since we recorded uh, last week. We were a little bit late. Uh, our schedules didn't match up till about, I think, Friday or Saturday, we were just saying. Um, so uh, not much has happened um, in terms of the NHL. Uh, I think we were recording as the Heritage Classic went on, which was actually not that bad of a game to watch. I mean, low scoring, but I mean, still good outside hockey for what outside hockey is. Although I wish the NHL maybe promoted it a little bit more um, than they did. I think you may have been the only person that knew going into the <laughs> classic that there was a Heritage Classic. Um, but other than that, I think you said Toronto's played one game. I know Buffalo's played one game. Uh, since we last recorded. So when we talk about Toronto and the Sabres, uh, in terms of where they're at so far in the season, not too much uh, to talk about. But today we, uh, we're going to talk about the coaches uh, for the two respective teams, um, for, for Toronto and for Buffalo. Um, I mean, you guys have heard a lot about Cody's feelings on Mike Babcock. Um, I think they've only intensified and gotten worse in the last week um, or not even the last, yeah, like the last week or so last four days or something like that. So um, yeah, we're going to hear a lot about Mike Babcock. We're going to hear a lot about uh, coach Kruger um, coming up here really quick. Um, so do you want to start off with Babcock or do you want me to uh, start off with Kruger? Can I start off with Kruger? Yeah, sure. All right. Kruger's great. I like him a lot. I hate to say that, being a you know rival fan and everything. Right. But I wish Kruger was the Leafs coach. I think there's a lot of people that wish Kruger was their coach. <laughs> um, well, no, actually, that's not true. I don't wish Kruger was our coach because I want Sheldon Keefe. But either way, I'm going to start with when the Sabres said that they had hired Kruger. I was shocked. I was shocked. And Sheldon Keefe was out there. They had talked. Um, I believe yeah, Joel Quinville had just been fired. Yeah, there was. Right? I don't know if I don't know if he talked to Buffalo. I think I don't this, think so. But he had just been fired. He could have. Does he have a son that plays hockey? I believe he does. Yes. Has, okay, so he was playing in, I think, the Frozen Four or something when it was being hosted in Buffalo, and he got the opportunity to talk to the Pagulas. Um, I mean, if, I, if I'm thinking that it was Quinville, he got the opportunity to talk to the Pagulas, but that was all it was, is, is he was just talking to Bottrell and to the Pagulas, but he was like, I'm not seriously. He was like, they, they Considering do it. approach me. You know? Yeah. So I just think the names that were out there, I was surprised. Um, not in a bad way. I, right. I was actually more surprised that Kruger came back to the NHL. Yeah. Just because of how he was treated his first tenure. Um, but it, it's worked out, and that's really all that matters. Um, obviously, his first tenure was 2012-2013, which was the shortened season, and he was with the Oilers. And I believe that was Yak's first year, wasn't it? His rookie season. And then fired right after the season <laughs> in true Oilers form. Um, and then just 
went to soccer, which I think helped out a lot. I mean, look, we talked about that a little bit last week. I think his he's got a more of a manager mentality, lets the players really fend for themselves while just giving them direction. Takes a lot of heat for himself. Uh, not that he's had to this season so far, but he doesn't overreact. Um, so, yeah, I think that's uh, – those are my standings on it. Yeah. Um, so, so like, you were just talking about um, names that the Sabres were attached to and, and really the names that were out there available at the time. Um, I just had to look it up because I, I could not remember his name, his first name in the life of me. But uh, Todd McClellan was the name that was most attached to – I mean, now he's the Kings head coach, um, but I, I mean, that was the name that was most attached to, to Buffalo. I think he had the most meetings uh, with the Sabres and then he was hired by the Kings and, and kind of like you were saying, like nobody really knew where Buffalo was. And everybody wanted Coach Q. Everybody wanted Coach Q. Mm-hmm. I mean, I I personally, just because of how how often – Toronto and Rochester play in the AHL. Yeah. I thought for sure they would go with Sheldon Keefe. Right. Sheldon Keefe had the permission to go talk to other teams, to do whatever. I was heartbroken because obviously I wanted Sheldon Keefe as the Leafs, but heartbroken at the thought of, at the thought of possibly losing him. Yeah, exactly. He's a he's a phenomenal coach. He's going to make a great NHL head coach. But Kruger was I, – I didn't even realize it was an option for yeah. him until it was announced. I don't think anybody really did. Because like you said, he had the – it was during the um, the shortened season, um, and then he was fired. So he was kind of like – he was kind of like there and then not there. Mm-hmm. Um, but and then like, went right to soccer. Yeah, went right to soccer, which is weird because a lot of people – a lot of – because uh, – when his name first got brought up, he was still in, he was still overseas doing soccer. Mm-hmm. And then everybody was like, every, you know, a couple of people had brought his name up and then a bunch of people were like, no, you know, it's not going to happen. Not going to happen. Not going to happen. And then he resigned. And everybody was like, what? <laughs> like, basically like, what, yeah. like, what is this? And then there was really, there was like, no things. Like there's no reports of meetings um, between him and Buffalo at all. Like literally not at all. And I was in New Orleans of all places when they announced him as the head coach and he came out and did the press conference and I got the opportunity to watch the press conference a little bit later. And I was, I was impressed by the, by the press conference and just hearing how, you know, he went out to, um, to the bars, like he was in politics and stuff, and was just like listening and talking to the fans, and they had no clue mm-hmm. who he was. Um, but no, I, I agree with you 100%. I like the fact that um, he kind of does use that management experience. Plus, it's nice. You don't always see it in professional sports. Um, I mean, you really don't see it at all in professional sports, but you don't see head coaches and GMs a lot of the times working like together side by side on the side. yeah um whereas i think bottrell and and kruger are very much 
at the same level. And Abatro's really not going to make a move unless Kruger tells him. I'm not saying that Kruger's like in charge of of Bottrell and like there's a power struggle, but really Bottrell's like not going to make an not going to make a decision without talking to Kruger or without Kruger coming to him and saying, you know, like we need to, you know, take a look at improving at this position and maybe trading this player and doing this, that, and the next thing. Yeah. That, that I really like to see. But one thing, one thing that I, that we've, we've touched on before and um, I was on, uh, so like I was just telling Cody, I was on the Saber Spot podcast, uh, which if you have not had the opportunity to check out, check it out. Episodes are really short, usually about 20 to 30 minutes. My episode is not that short. We went on for almost an hour um, talking about everything from the goalies to the defense, the offense, to the coaching, specifically Kruger, to how the NHL needs to sell more throwback gear. I mean, like we, we pretty much talked about anything and everything, but um, talking about him going out and being in those bars and in those restaurants and talking to fans um, he doesn't, he didn't come into Buffalo saying like, like Housley or Bilesma did saying he, to the players, you're going to play my brand of hockey and try changing it. He was able to sit there and listen and, and really take in like what had been happening between when Lindy Ruff was fired or when, when, yeah, when Lindy Ruff left until now. And he basically said, we're going to play Buffalo's brand of hockey. Like, this is what the fans want. They want it, like, they want to see a difference. They want to see a change. Like, this is what they want. I really want to do it. It's, yeah. Hired after a West Coast road game and then coming back and doing multiple other road games on the East Coast. I mean, they're fast. They're aggressive. Like, like you're not going to – fantastic goal fending, sometimes fantastic defense. Again, not being tired. But – I mean, like, this is Buffalo's brand of hockey. This is what they've been looking for, and you haven't seen since Lindy Ruff was the head coach in Buffalo. So, I mean, it, it's – I like you said, I love him as a coach. I mean, he lets – most important thing, we've talked about it before, he lets these defensive players who are meant to be offensive defensemen be offensemen. Yeah. Most important thing with Kruger coming in is will he allow this to happen? Will, will he use these assets – the way that they're supposed to, and so far he has. I like that you mentioned Lindy Ruff. I was going to compare him to Lindy Ruff. Just because Lindy, um, obviously an older style coach, very not defensive driven, but heavy, I want to use that word. Like it's very heavy on big guys, using big guys being tough. Um, but using that for skill. I mean, you've seen it hundreds of times. There's two lines that were skill. You throw a tough guy in each one of the lines, you're good to go. That was Lindy's style. Um, Kruger seems to be – sees the importance in being tough. Yeah. But not in the enforcer age. We're outside of the enforcer age. You don't need this anymore. But having somebody tough on there that's just going to take the attention away from some of these other guys is is just doing wonders. Right. Which, will it wear off? Probably. Yeah. It probably will. Teams are going to catch on. But by that point, you're already – I mean, right now, you've already got 20 points on the season. You're already, you know, a fifth way of there. Yeah. 
you're good. It seems. I mean, the I think I think the only difference here is is like when you had Ruffin is the coach, like your third or the fourth line was like the enforcer line. Yeah. Like if you, like the 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 2007 fight against Ottawa after Drury got hurt. Like when you saw like when you saw Coletta and Andrew Peters and like Adam Mayer go over those boards. Like they weren't going out there to try and score a goal because oh, none God, of those no. guys were out there to score goals. Those guys were out there to fight, and they put out like first line guys that are not fighters. I mean, Ray Emery was on the ice, and that's a whole different thing in and of itself because Marty Biron almost got his face punched in by Ray Emery. But oh yeah, it seems now that the like you said we're way out of the enforcer age, um, but it, it seems like those those tougher meaner guys tend to be on our defense. Jake McCabe, um, McCabe's hit on Hall when Hall tried to go after McCabe, and McCabe absolutely laid him out um, uh-huh. way earlier in the season. Um, Ristolainen, and Ristolainen is just is that guy. If there was an enforcer on the team, it would be Ristolainen. Yeah, he's an ass. Yeah, so. Which is I mean, all he needs to be. It, 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 seems, it seems like it's more defense than it is putting them out there on the offense. But, again, this defense – is in the zone. This defense is not hanging out at the blue line. Yeah, which is cool. I mean, it, it really yeah. – if you have the right guys out, you don't need to be chilling at the blue line. Right. You're not giving up a whole lot of breaks. And the ones that you are, you have a decent – you know, you have a decent goalie to, to stop it. Yeah. Um, you're not letting – I mean, the Sabres have a plus 11 goal differential right now. Yeah. They've only let in 33 goals on the season, so which is good. You know what I mean? Right. And I think the only team lower in our division is the Bruins. I think they only have 25. Um, but they they score enough. They're still in this point where they're playing close games, but they've had a pretty decent schedule they haven't been playing these teams that are just laydowns. yeah you know they've been playing teams that can play a good brand of hockey yeah um and they've just been winning and i don't know if that's why i like kruger so much or why everybody does we'll find out later in the season uh you know when it stops being so hot when you guys go through your first cool streak see how he reacts then um but just based on seeing a lot of his interviews um, it not even just through this, but through some of his, his soccer interviews, stuff like that. He just seems to always be level-headed. Yeah, and he always his, he always seems to he. I mean, he owns up when he's like, it's you know, it's 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 my like. I think we talked about last week where you're like Babcock is throwing guys under the bus left and right. I mean, he threw oh God, yeah. in the preseason, whereas Kruger's like, no, this is like legitimately my fault. Or, you know, you know, but he's not even – even if it's a player's fault, he's not throwing them under the bus during during these press conferences. But, like, you were just – I just wanted to say really quick about the, the cool streak and the hot streaks. Um, you know, I think we touched on it last week. Um, but the, the Rangers' loss and then the Detroit win um, was not really supposed to be a test for us, but just because of the outcome of the games really was a test. Yeah, you know, you're losing to a bad team, a team with a losing record that bad, and then coming back and playing another bad team. If it was last year, the Sabres would have folded. We would have lost, you know, both of those games. 
Um, and then on top of that, you come back and play Arizona, which you've talked about times. Um, very good hockey. Very low key, though, this season. Uh, and the fact that the Sabres could hang with them. I mean, albeit there was a – I think it was 2 nothing lead. Back, uh, to tie it up. But we hung in with Arizona up until a shootout. Like, all it took was one goal on our own part, a goal on our parts, really, on that game. The fact that we could hang in with the Coyotes for that long. Like you said, it, it goes back to show like how this team has definitely improved under Kruger. Oh, yeah. I agree with you. Um, and it's just so funny to say that the Coyotes are a team that can be a test now. I just love that. Yeah. I love that. They've wanted it for so long. They've been the team that everybody's like, oh, they shouldn't even have a team. They shouldn't even have a team. And I've always been an advocate for keeping that team around because they're so, they've always had heart. They've always had heart. The fans do show up. Yeah. Um, I mean, Shane Doan was the life of that entire state for the longest time. Yeah. And when he retired, I thought I was like, oh, man, this might be it. This might be it. And then they've just been almost good ever since. Like, just past few years, they've just been, like, growing and, like, being competitive. And right. it's great. I love that. I love that. But, yeah, Kruger, um, we'll see. It's his first year. Um, hopefully he sticks around. That seems to be off-brand for the Sabres is keeping a coach for more than three years. Yeah. But, I mean, when your coach doesn't work, it doesn't work. Um, right. This one seems like it's going to, but we'll see. So. So to switch the conversation around now. Babcock. Like Babcock. I almost thought he had the biggest opportunity to win me back over the other night. He had the biggest opportunity. We were playing the Capitals. I thought maybe, you know, it's the Capitals. Um, maybe he'll he'll come forward and do what he get, did against our – like he did at our first Boston game where he really just played lines differently. Um, and then he lost me for, before the game even started. I'm sure you saw Ovechkin's little uh, interview after skates, after practice that morning. Did you see it? Um, I remember hearing something about it, but but no, I don't. So basically what he said is the, the Leafs need to figure out if they're playing for themselves or if they're playing for the Stanley Cup. And that if they are playing for the Stanley Cup, they need to change how they're playing. And it was just it's it's Ovechkin. Right. He's not giving another team tips. He's trying to get in your head. Yeah. They asked Babcock about it. A good coach would have said, He's just trying to get in our heads. We're not gonna let that work. My boys play the brand of hockey they want to. We're gonna win this game, no big deal. Whatever. Just brush right. it off. Instead, he goes, Oh yeah, he's right. He's right. They're not playing like they should. They're not. It's all them. They, they, they. Instead of just saying, no, no, no. The boys are playing fine. I need to step up. That's it. He knows he's on the, he, he knows he's on the hot seat. Why? Why agree with the other team? What, what message does that send to your team? Right. When you hear your coach say, 
yeah, well, he's, he's right. We're not really playing for the cup right now. We're playing for ourselves. Like, no. What, what is that nonsense? Now, did the Leafs come out and play? Well, probably one of the best games I've seen them play. No, it was atrocious. Um, no, it was, it was a pretty decent game. We had a ridiculous amount of power plays. And right. it just could not get anything going. Could not get anything going. The team looked good when they weren't on the power play. Nylander, phenomenal. Matthews looked good. Marner, Marner needs its line mates back. He needs Hyman. He needs he needs a, uh, or really, Hyman isn't even part of it. Hyman could either be with Matthews or Marner. It doesn't make a difference. But without JT, Marner just looks lost out there right now. He just looks lost. He can't shoot. He can't pass. Um, which comes with playing with a skilled player like that. You're used to passing it and somebody being able to take your advanced pass and, and go. Um, playing with these other guys, you just can't. Unless he's on the power play with Matthews and right. that's it. It doesn't work. But they lost 4-3 and Babcock just didn't do a thing. In fact, he had um, Muzzin got hurt in the first period. So Babcock goes, okay, so we're obviously going to roll, you know, with five defensemen. Right. Okay, that's fine. So he decides he's going to double shift more than anybody, Morgan Riley, who he just got done telling everybody he's hurt. Yeah. He just got done, you know, people ask, well, why hasn't he ever practiced him? Instead of just saying, oh, he hasn't been feeling good or whatever, he's fine. He goes, oh, he's hurt. What coach does that? That's the last thing you want your teammate or your other people knowing. Right. That this guy's hurt. So he's playing more minutes. Then he goes to CC. This was the first game back for um, Dermot. Yeah. And he's a phenomenal player. He looked great. He didn't look like he'd missed a game. Right. And he played, I think he only played like 12 minutes. It was the least of any defenseman. Yeah, I saw you. I saw you tweeting about CC. Oh. I think it's where that, or I think it's, that's where this was headed. But I, I hate CC. You said he's not even an AHL level player. He's not. He's not. He's atrocious. I understand why he's on the Leafs. Yeah. We needed to drop a really bad contract, and he was the way to do it. I understand it's only one year, but my God, get him off the first pairing. He's atrocious. He's atrocious. The amount of, like, so anybody that's with Morgan Riley, Morgan Riley's very offensive. He's going to go up. He's going to be, he's big. He's a big guy. He's going to go up when he needs to. He depends on somebody to be back just in case he needs somebody back there. And right. CC, he just seems like he seems like he's still trying to play for the Senators. He he just lets people get behind him. He makes stupid plays. It, he's just really bad. It's really bad. But is that all on him? No. I mean, why would you put a guy who's playing like trash on your first parent? Right. It all comes down to Babcock. Every single thing that I I bitch about 
comes down to Babcock. Right. Just switch the lines. Just switch the lines. It's not hard. Just it, every other coach in the league does it. Except for maybe Torts. Torts is very old-fashioned too. But he also gets on his team's ass and knows what to say. And doesn't just go out there after a big loss and he's smiling and joking with the, the media. Yeah. He, he thinks it's a joke. And it's, it's insane. He is the highest paid coach in the NHL, in NHL history. In fact, when he signed his contract, it was double the next guy under him. I think it was Todd McClellan who had three mil per year, and he was 6.3. That's insane for a coach. Yeah. And you're just doing nothing with it. Nothing with it. Well, a couple. So, I mean, when when the Sabres – I mean, the Sabres' really only connection to to Babcock would be after we fired Bilesma. And it was rumored that Babcock was going to be the coach. Um, Because you guys were looking for a coach at the exact same time. Um, And it looked like Babcock was going to be the next head coach of the Sabres. Obviously, now with hindsight, with hindsight, glad he's not. Um. He definitely would have been gone. It's, oh, excuse me. I mean, he would have been gone, I think, by now. Um, but, I mean, he pretty much he used the Sabres as leverage to get, to get in with Toronto. Now he's in Toronto. For eight goddamn years. I mean, it's not, it's not like we did a great job either. I mean, we ended up picking Housley. Rather have Housley, which I mean, there were a lot of improvements. I mean, he didn't use the defense that well, but I mean, I mean, stats-wise, we went up from the bottom of the barrel. Uh, the different stats um, to to mid to high. Just I mean, the season really didn't end that well. He didn't use the defense like the, the defenseman should have been used. There were a lot of moves that weren't made, which really, you know, isn't his fault. It's Bottrell, and it goes back into the whole conversation of. NHL GMs being gun shy and stuff like that, but um, I mean, I'm happy with Kruger, um, but yeah, Babcock. I mean, his only real thing with Buffalo, and don't get me wrong, I agree with you on all of it. We've had the discussion, I think, twice now about how um, how Toronto has the biggest analytics department in the entire NHL, and your head coach absolutely despises the use of analytics. Yep. Not a good it's just not it's a not good mess. situation. Um, um you think reason he hasn't been like let go yet like, last season? Well like was he this bad this last season or so here's the thing. Mike Babcock isn't He's still one of the most winningest coaches in NHL history. Right. That's, yeah, it's not the, guy, the guy has missed the playoffs twice in his entire NHL coaching career. Right. That's it. That's phenomenal. He had the longest streak in NHL history. 
he is good at getting a team to the playoffs. He's good at getting a team to be okay, to win enough games. But at this point, the Leafs can get themselves to the playoffs with anybody. Right. It's winning in the playoffs. Like right now, I mean, the, the Leafs, as far as standings go, we're not out of it. Right. We're doing fine. It's just they're. It's not like anybody's in or out of it. I mean, we're, there's 70 oh, up in the season, but yeah. Exactly, but it, as far as our division goes, we're still we're still right there. We're right there with all the other competitive teams. Right. It's it, it's within five points from where we're at to the top. No big deal. But when you're looking at us playing these teams, we've played Boston twice, who we're probably going to see in the playoffs again because that's just, you know, how it works. You know how this team plays. We've played them a shit ton the past three years, four years. We know how they play. Why are you using the same system that does not work? Right. If you know it doesn't work, fix it. That's what's aggravating. When we're going out and we're playing these teams that we don't see very often, we're losing, okay, that's hockey. Or we're showing up, we're, we're playing a good game, but we lose, great, okay. It's these games where we have no business playing the way we're playing playing the people we're playing when we're playing them. Right. That bugs the hell out of me. Um, <coughs> excuse me. So, say this season ends. Okay. And Pat goes bye-bye. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, I have no doubt that Toronto will make the playoffs, but realistically, does Toronto make it to the, to the finals and win? Depends. They have on paper. They have a competitive team. They have a. No, I'm, I'm not saying. I'm not saying on. You know, not necessarily on paper, but knowing like how Babcock has been running this team so far. If this trend, assume this trend continues through the rest of the season, they probably are not going to make the finals. No. The so, way the way Babcock runs this team, they're not getting it out of the first round. Okay. They'd be lucky. So, so we don't even have to worry about a cup win because if there's a cup win, then Babcock's going to stick around for them for however long his contract still is. So get get kicked out of, of the first round if you even make the playoffs. Not saying that they won't, but they definitely have a, a playoff team on paper minus a couple of players. Um, but so so assume, assume the season ends, postseason ends or whatever, you know, Toronto announces that they – get rid of that they're firing Babcock. Um, I'm assuming his contract does not end this year. No. So they they fire him. It's just, clearly it's not working. Assume also assume nothing else has changed and coaches that their their contracts are not up. So they're gonna become free agents in terms of, of coaching. Um, and also what's available out there 
um, realistically, like who are your top two or three candidates that you would want for the job? Obviously, I mean, obviously you can, you can throw Keith in there as, as one of them. I know he's probably your top and he's probably most likely to get that job. Um, but what is, so like, so like who would your other two candidates, who would your two and three candidates be if they don't bring Keith up from the Marley's or for some reason he doesn't get the job? So my biggest fear is that Keith doesn't get the job. And we have Hextall as our assistant coach right now. My biggest fear is that they give it to him. And as you said that, there were a lot of Philadelphia fans. Cringing. Here's the thing. Hextall's not a bad coach. He's a good coach. I wouldn't mind him. I actually saw some of the looks. He, I don't know if they were purposeful or if that's just how he looks, but he looked like he was giving Babcock some looks during the last game. Yeah. Hextall, GMs hate him because he does things that he, he should. He sits players that aren't – when he moved Drew down to the third line for literally almost half a season, yeah. that's your captain. That's the type of stuff you have to do to get these people playing. Of course fans are going to hate it. Of course they are. But if John Tavares isn't isn't doing anything, move him down. Give right. the job to somebody else. That's it. He's good at doing that. So I wouldn't hate Hextall as our coach. Um, I think he's still a little too old-fashioned. I don't think it'll happen. But I think it's better than Babcock. Even if it's just intermittent until they can get keep a replacement to throw him up whatever anything at this point is better right the team just needs a change and mike babcock's gonna go he's gonna be the head coach for another team for five six years he's gonna have a job he's a great coach just not for the leafs right his style just does not work if he he went to a team that does have heavy bodies, um, I'm going to say if he went to a team like Dallas or a team like Boston, he'd thrive in Boston. Yeah, he'd thrive there. Team that can, teams that still have heavy bodies that have just two good lines and then two okay, they can get the job done lines to rotate through. That's all he needs. But when you have scoring lines, I think that's his issue. Is he knows he's got four lines that can score goals. Right. He knows they got a lot of goal scores. I mean, I think they're still – yeah, they've scored the most goals in the NHL at 49. That's – oh, no, I lied. The Capitals have 54, so second – that's a lot of goals. Right. That's a lot of goals. I think he just thinks that, yeah, okay, they can score goals. That's all that matters. He doesn't understand that, okay, yeah, they can score goals, but when you have your top line playing against the best line in hockey, you're wasting them. You're wasting them. 
of course your first line and your second line are going to score more goals than your third and fourth. Your third and fourth lines are shutdown lines. They are there to shut down those top lines. Right. Now, is that true for every team? No. But for the Bruins, it is. Right. You got Pasternak, you got uh, Marchand and Bergeron, right? That line is ridiculous. It's ridiculous. You don't have Austin Matthews shutting them down. Can he? Yeah, sometimes he can. But while he's trying to also score goals on Tuka Rask? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Come on now. Which is a giant reason why that that team is so good. Because that's the best line in hockey. It's the best line in hockey because all three of them are dangerous scorers. And no team can stop them. They just can't. I just saw after the game yesterday that they won, they now have that line alone now has just as many goals as the New York Devil or the New Jersey Devils. Just that one line. That's twenty eight goals. Among three people. It's insanity. Out of 41 total goals. So we've got that, – that line is getting over 50% of that team's goals. Yeah. As a coach that's played that line two years in a row in the playoffs, three years in the last four years in the playoffs. Making the changes that you're clearly not making, but he needs to be making definite changes in these <laughs> You need to try. You need to try something else. I am sick of seeing Matthew's line out with Bergeron's line. I'm sick of it. It's clearly not working. It's clearly not working. Why keep trying? It's just, it's insanity. It's insanity. But I have a feeling I'm going to be stuck with him. Something's going to happen. They're going to like threaten his job, and then we're going to win the Stanley Cup, and then we're going to be bottom feeders for another few years because the guy's ridiculous. But we'll do whatever. All in itself, but yeah. So I mean, I mean, we touched on uh, on the games uh, during this conversation, the the last games. So like us with Arizona and you with Washington, but. Um, so there's really no need to talk about those, but in terms of, of, of these coaches, I mean, you, you could go into two or three hour conversations and really break down everything, everything about these coaches. Um, I mean, I think anybody in their right mind that like really enjoys hockey, like, that, um, we've had this discussion before, like we want to see, you know, teams that traditionally have been rivals be competitive with each other um again i mean you're pretty tired of boston um so it's understandable that you don't want boston to be competitive but you know as a sabers fan like you want good hockey between boston and buffalo and, and buffalo and toronto and you know buffalo and philly and, and different games like that so um i mean at, in, at the end of the day i hope you win more than we win um and i hope you don't put up as many points as we put up yeah, I hope we put up more, but also, you know, I want Toronto to be competitive, 
you know, I don't want it to be easy wins and, and stuff like that. So hopefully either Babcock wakes up and changes something. Will he? Probably not. No. Like a 2% chance if that, that he does. Um, but yeah, I mean, all in all, I think Buffalo is pretty set with Kruger. Um, I mean, it's kind of the same situation with our AHL kids. Um, Taylor's currently up in Buffalo as an assistant coach just because uh, one of our assistant coaches um, was in the hospital at the beginning of the season. Uh, so he'll eventually go back down to Rochester. Just having Chris Taylor up. Um, players in Rochester love him. The fans in Rochester love him. And Rochester's not a bad team either just because, you know, you, talk, you touched on the Marlies a little bit, but the Americans are not a bad team either. So it's interesting to see the fact that Buffalo and Toronto both have, you know, NHL, also decent AHL teams at the same time. So I mean, it definitely makes it interesting on multiple, multiple levels. But Yeah, I'm excited for it. All right. So, I'm excited for it. What was that? I said I am excited for it. And that's the nice thing about – see, like you said, I'm sick of Boston. But the Boston-Toronto rivalry is nothing compared to the Buffalo-Toronto rivalry. Yeah. Even when Buffalo and Toronto were both bottom feeder teams, or better yet, when, when the Leafs weren't. When the Leafs weren't a bottom feeder team, but the Sabres were, it's still 50-50. Yeah. It's still good game every single time. Yeah. Very rare to see a blowout. Yeah. Very rare. It, it's – it's not. I mean, more recently, the Leafs have been winning more of those games. Yeah. But then again, you know, it was still a good game. And Sabres were bottom feeders. Now that they're both competitive, I can't wait for this first game. Yeah. Which is Hopefully the Leafs wake up. The game's not till what, December? I think it's in. Um... I think it's during November, isn't it? Yeah, so... Uh, it's actually a back-to-back. Yeah, it's the end of November. It's uh, November 29th and November 30th. Really, uh, um, yeah, I mean, it's obviously back-to-back, so in Buffalo and then in Toronto. so it'll definitely Which isn't bad. I don't mind that. No, 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 no. That's not bad, but if it's like – Two separate teams. Like in Buffalo, well, not even that, but like when Buffalo played San Jose, we were in San Jose, and then San Jose was there. Like both teams were just exhausted. Um, but no, so it'll be interesting to see. And it's, it's interesting, or it's weird that they're both, like the, our first matchup isn't until the end of November. You're pretty much yeah. half, you're halfway through, almost halfway through the season at that point. So You're yeah. still only two months in. <laughs> yeah. But I'm saying you're, you're pretty much in December. Yeah. So yeah, it's nice. I mean, it's a anyway. – I like that both teams are going to be like set in stone at that point. They're, they figured all out all the kinks. They're both playing well. And hopefully um, I'm excited for it. It'll be good. Yeah. Well, all right. With that, uh, I think that brings an end to this episode. Not really a whole lot uh, more to talk about. Um, So we will talk to you guys next week uh, and hopefully we'll have some really cool things uh, to announce within the next couple of weeks or so. So 
definitely stay tuned for that. And we hope that you enjoyed this conversation about coaching. I know it was definitely a fun topic. Um, I mean, definitely more fun than analytics, but um, so yeah, no, hope you guys enjoyed this episode and we will see you again next week. See you next week. <laughs>